Initiating Custodius Protocol. Accessing Kami Inc. Feed. 43. High Security Clayton Intranet. Transmission Capture. G10 Protection Countermeasures Detected. Attempting Override. Brute Force Partial Override Successful. Single Party Audio Capture Only. Compiling. Sounding to me as if the Executive Board is losing its nerve. The next administration will carry out Phase 2. It has been decided. The next administration? The scanners, the body armor, all the security equipment, it's all slated for production this year. You asked me to eat some of the expenses up front, and I understood that. I agreed to pony up on my end, but the way you are bending over for him, it's starting to make me think your priorities are out of sync. Our priority is to the design, not to you, not to a sitting U.S. president. We have not lost sight of so it's just a big coincidence that a board member stands to lose face if we move forward now? You are treading on thin ice, Richard. The only reason we reached out to you and not your father is because of your company's breakthrough technologies and your personal history of seeing that sometimes the ends justify the means. There are other parties showing promise in your arena. If you lack the patience or the ability to follow orders... We may have to look for prospects elsewhere. It's not just my company that stands to lose. There's a narrow window of opportunity. Thanks to that little media stunt in a Hollywood cave, foreign intelligence is muddying PR. Vital technology to the project has already leaked out onto the public sector. We have factored those elements into our predictive models. Everything falls within expected parameters. My advice to you, get a hobby. Work out some of that anxiety. How you do it does not concern the board. Get your head screwed on straight. It would be a shame if you were to experience the same tragic circumstances as your father. What are you... Is this socket being monitored? Oh, of course not. This is Gamma. You are getting careless. Sweep your office, Richard. Countermeasure override neutralized. Masking protocol enabled. Terminating signal. Reassessing priority coverage area. GSO Satellite 13 Hotel. Gamma Protection Infrastructure CEO brought Captain Dara side by side on the video conference. Captain, you chose a flanking maneuver over a frontal assault on the hospital. Now, even though your squad was equipped for a direct assault, most of the sorties that you performed in service to your contract have been similar. I have always appreciated your tactical mindset over the use of brute force. The board, however, needs an explanation as to where things went wrong. Could you pick up just after the energy bomb was detonated at the hospital? Gail asked. I'm not sure it was a bomb, and there are other elements, things that happened in the interim to consider, Dara said. Such as? 
Such as what happened to the army guard unit stationed by the mall, said Dara. Gail's attention was again focused on something off-screen. Our forensic team is looking into that. Please, carry on with your report, Captain. I approached the hospital from the northwestern gate. Bogman took cover with me behind the employee parking entrance. The ID checking booth was unmanned. The hell is all this stuff? Coffee grounds? Bachman said. It's VT's personnel, I think. Same thing that got them, got the ANG guys at the mall. He flipped open the holographic interface on his right hand, then called Bauer. We're good so far, Eric. Almost ready to breach. Do you have... Does Marlo have a visual? Yes. She's ghosting the parking area south of you now, a little further in. I count at least ten Bible thumpers outside. Most of them have formed a tight perimeter around the trucks. I can recon the inside, too. Just need to find an opening low enough so she can jump through. I have to warn you now, however. If I send my girl in there, I lose control signal. Eric began. Marla will kill anyone that threatens her. I know. I responded. We need to make sure if there are any survivors in there before the shooting starts. They might have taken hostages. Send her in now. Recall her if the signal starts getting chopped up. If you get spotted or they open fire, you're clear to engage. That goes for the rest of you guys, too. The main lobby of the hospital was starting to brim with smoke as Jackson and Shayla came down the stairwell. He swept the room with his rifle, checking the hallways quickly, before calling Shayla down with him. Squad, everyone start falling back now. She's safe. She's with me. Plan still in motion, Jackson said. Two of Jackson's men greeted them as they exited the hospital through the wrecked ER doors. Damn it, Pat. I said stay back. Like hell, we're going to let you guys leave without an escort. Turner just picked up an AV on the scanner. Looks like a corporate dropship, Pat said. How far? Jackson said as they began to move low and fast to the parking lot. Too far for us to engage, but they could be on top of us for a strafing run in no time. A militiaman on the first floor was visible through one of the windows. He was rummaging through some of the medical cabinets. Shayla grabbed Jackson's arm, this time without burning him. She pointed. Before Jackson could say anything, the man inside the hospital had his throat ripped out by an invisible force. A bloody dog-shaped phantom whipped out of sight. Hostiles! Jackson roared. A terrifying volley of minigun fire mowed down Pat and tore another remnant soldier closer to the barricades in half at the waist. Three power armor clad GPI soldiers flanked the remnant just outside the concrete barricades. One of them, wielding a minigun, jumped ten feet in the air and landed on top of the VT checkpoint. The others had full auto shotguns and started tearing up JC's men. The militiamen on the M249 opened fire. Multiple rounds ricocheted off the armored GPI soldier on top of the checkpoint. The minigun was aimed at him, and one of its rounds punctured his shoulder, sending him to the ground. Jackson took cover behind an engine block of an ambulance. Son of a bitch! Jackson cried. Hugo, they're inside the building too, said Shayla. Bachman was first through one of the blown out windows on the hospital's ground floor. I leapt in just after him, power servos whirring to life as we landed. Inside my helmet, on the heads-up display, an indirect link to Marlowe's cyber eye appeared at the top right. The canine assault unit stalked the hallways of the upper floor. Looks like you're near the pharmacy locker. That burning on the walls. What is that? I said. Not sure, but I'm picking up some odd radiation levels. EM spiking randomly. Hey, can you hear me alright? It's signal strength all over the place in here. Eric said. You jumbled pretty badly, but I got the message clear enough. No survivors? I said. None. This place is a crematorium. I think it's time we... Eric is cut off by increasingly bad static. 
Me and Bachman swept down the halls, popping in and out of exam rooms, x-ray, nursing stations, and finally into the patient waiting area. Ain't a damn person in here, Bachman said. Not alive, anyways. I think they're pulling out, I said, then gave the signal to the entire team. They're about to cut and run. No civvies or hostages on site. I'm pulling the trigger. Engage at will. Now! Just outside the barricades, the faint glimmer of optic camouflage moved across the tops of a nearby storefront. A rangefinder monocular poked out from behind the ghostly veil, pointing in the direction of the fighting at the barricades. Next to the first ghost, a second one caused a long-barreled weapon that resembled a sophisticated rifle to appear. A bipod extended from the weapon and made contact with the roof. Night killer in position. Charge and ready, said the ghost over his helmet's radio. Back inside the hospital parking lot, Jackson thumbed his radio five times in rapid succession. Come on, Shay. We have to make a run for the fence. Not gonna get another chance. I feel like I'm gonna be sick, Shayla cried. Jackson's radio chirped again. Hornet, almost in position. Two more GPI soldiers exited the smashed ER doors and opened fire on the remnant militia. The last of Jackson's men inside the parking lot fell. Jackson rolled to the car in the parallel parking space. I'm gonna get their attention. Make a run for the trucks when I do. Stay low and behind cover if you can. Her eyes were wide. Electricity arced off her body, striking the ground. Once again, her skin began to glow like molten steel. It's happening again. Hugo, get away from me now. Hurry! Shayla screamed. You have to control it, Shay. Use it on them. He leaned around the hood of the four-door sedan he had been using for cover. No sooner had he squeezed off a shot when a volley of return fire came straight at him. Around caught him in the face, tearing through his mouth. No! Shayla said. She fixed her gaze on one of the armor-clad corporate soldiers. There was a blinding flash of electrical energy around him, first killing the armor's circuits, then causing it to explode in a violent inferno. The soldier next to him was thrown across the parking lot and bounced off the fender of the M249 truck. You got him! Jackson exclaimed. Shayla's body was already returning to normal, but Jackson didn't want to risk third-degree burns trying to drag her out. We need to move now. Don't make me leave here without you. This'll all been for nothing if you die here, he said. GPI soldiers had killed over half the men nearest the barricades. A few lay wounded in the grassy runoff ditch at the foot of the hospital security fence. A remnant scout on a mountain bike jolted to a stop on the rocky trails a hundred yards from the outside of the fence. He only had one weapon on him. A collapsible light anti-tank weapon. A law. He popped the weapon out to its full length and took aim. The rocket hissed out, leaving a stream of fine gray smoke in its wake. The two GPI soldiers on the ground by the concrete were blasted to bits. The soldier with the minigun fired in the direction the shot came from, wildly. Hornet leapt back onto his mountain bike after ditching the rocket launcher, and pedaled fervidly toward one of the parked SUVs at the concrete barricades. He just about reached one of the vehicles when the rear tire of his bike was mangled by incoming fire. He tumbled onto the pavement, then tried to scramble to his feet. Something grabbed him by the back of his head, and a sharp pain ran through his spine. The GPI soldier with the minigun lit up the area around the SUV. Rounds bounced off the body of the truck and cracked its windows. From somewhere in the distance, another weapon sounded off, far higher in pitch. The GPI soldier went limp inside his suit and remained motionless. The minigun continued to fire in the last direction it was pointed until the weapon was empty. A small hole only a millimeter wide had been punched into his faceplate. Smoke poured out of the tiny breach. The inside of the helmet visor was splashed red with gore. Jackson made it to the SUV first, nearly wiping out on a pool of blood on the pavement next to the driver's side door. No body, but Hornet's bike lay in tatters a few feet from the blood. 
Jackson cursed under his breath before heaving the driver door open. He went to get inside. What the? Jackson began. A few seconds later, Shayla frantically opened the passenger door and jumped in. Keep your head down, Shayla. We ain't out of this yet, Jackson said. The SUV purred into action. He backed out, doing a three-point turn. The vehicle lurched up over something as they were peeling out of the driveway. Jackson, your face, it's a mess, Shayla said desperately. Yeah, bullets will do that. Hang on, this is going to get rough. He veered off-road onto the grassy embankment to get around the vehicle blockade put there earlier by protesters, then jumped over the gutter back onto the road. Shayla banged her head off the SUV ceiling. Put the damn seatbelt on, woman. Can you pretend like you don't have a death wish for five minutes? Several minutes went by like this, veering around car wrecks, down cloistered alleys, and over, and sometimes under, various bridges and obstacles. They were near the highway now, almost to the quarantine limit. What are we going to do now? Shayla asked. We have to leave the city. I'm pretty tight with General Moore. Plus, he owes me a favor, too. He'll put us up for a while. I mean about me. You really want to endanger people, especially friends of yours? Shayla said. Wouldn't exactly call him a friend. And there's more to it. His grandkid's a storm caller. The way I figure, he might be able to reach out to the Islanders, get you some help. This stuff is way over my head, Shay. Shayla stared at him quietly for a long time. Wish you would have told me that yesterday. Over the Gradient Horizon, a corporate military dropship became visible. Gail Padlacky resumed his prominent avatar in the corporate video conference. Shortly after engaging with Remnant, some type of EMP device was used to sever communications between you and your squad, Gail said. That was my assessment, Dara agreed. Gamma CEO put a look of feigned distress on. Four of your team members from the strike team were killed in action. One is still missing in action, and then there is the flight crew to consider. What do we call that, a systems malfunction? Said Gail. I told Lee to stay out of the fighting. That is in my logs. She disobeyed a direct order. It is not on me. You're the STL. It is all on you, Captain Dara. The pilot, one flight technician, one standby infantry support unit. That makes seven KIA total and one of our assets still in the wind. Each of them, multi-million dollar investments like yourself. Training, medical care, cybernetic enhancements, power armor. Are you following me here, Captain? So I hope that you and the rest of the board will forgive me if I'm a little bit skeptical when you bring tales of a new Jonah to an after-action report. I saw the forensics data. Ruiz, you two were pals, right? He was murdered by those terrorists using a railgun sniper rifle that only we produce. The remains at the hospital, which were collected with brooms and dustpans, there are very few things that can incinerate a human body so thoroughly, especially without significantly more damage done to nearby structures, said Gail. I was there, sir. That woman caused the event that killed the civilians at the hospital. I am certain of it. Gail was becoming increasingly distracted by something off-screen. Captain Darrow? What happened after you were thrown by Bachman's power core rupture? Gail asked. The energy blast fried my suit also. Not nearly as bad as Bachman's. I had to manually remove it via emergency release protocols. The remnant forces, if there were still any alive, seemed more interested in escape than finishing me off. It's not clear to me now if the dropship engaged remnant forces or if something else happened that caused its crash. I tried to re-establish contact with my team. My radio was not operational either, 
so I had to grab one of my fallen team members. No one picked up, Dara explained. The old GMC 4x4 turned over heavily. Its engine finally came to life. The sound reverberated in the dense forested trail I had stopped in. The truck lurched as I climbed out to check under the hood once again. I set my newly acquired box-fed M249 barrel up in the passenger seat, then got back in. Even without my power armor, I'm still pretty heavy. My cybernetic mods include heavy bone alloy treatment, muscle density weaves, and reinforced dermal plating. The suspension groaned as I moved to hit the seek button on the GPI radio handset again. Lee, Jacobs, Warren, respond if you can hear this. Anyone from QMU, please respond. I located the source of the thick black smoke I'd been homing in on for the last half hour. A piece of the dropship was embedded in the trees above. The metallic glint caused me to stop the vehicle. I got out again, drawing the LMG to the ready. QMU-1771's dropship had split in half on impact, leveling multiple trees and setting fire to the surrounding brush. A bloody figure lay against the dropship, worn. His face was partially covered in reddened bandages, and there was a tourniquet on his right leg. I scanned the area quickly before walking over to him. You all right? Where are the others? Warren barely moved his head. I'm pretty messed up, but I'll live. Lee. Shit. Cyber optics fried in your head. You don't want to see it. She's gone, Dara. Jacob's got thrown into descent. No way you lived through that. <clears throat> I checked on his injuries. Didn't put a timestamp on your tourney, Warren. You forget your search? Yeah, I guess I was more focused on, you know, not bleeding out. I know, Warren said. I started to walk around the rack towards the broken middle segment. You don't want to see that shit, man. I ignored his warnings and stepped up onto the inner deck plate of the dropship that was turned at a slight angle. No, I do not. But there's gear that we're going to need. Might be something left we can still use in here. The debris was everywhere. Rocks, dirt, bits of trees, and the occasional body part. I cleared some of the wreckage to access the cockpit. Lee was unrecognizable, apart from her uniform. Stupid girl. I pounded the frame of the aircraft with one fist. The back half of the ship hadn't taken as much damage from the fall, but was severely burned. Strapped to the wall of the burnt hulk was a large barrel. Dara reached for the priming pin release on the side of the drum. One of those things, quite enough, Warren said. His voice was much closer this time. I started to turn around when multiple gunshots hammered into my back and side. I fell back against the cargo door. Warren was standing at the broken entrance of the dropship, pistol smoking in hand. The fuck, Warren? Have you lost your mind? I said as I dove behind Marlowe's cage. I racked the LMG and pointed it between the bars. Better get your head on straight. Warren loaded another magazine rapidly. His injuries did not seem to slow him down. I let off a burst with the LMG. Warren's left arm was blown clean off. There was almost no blood. Another volley of gunshots came from his pistol. One of the slugs bounced off my throat. I slumped back against the wall, choking for air. Behind Warren, I could make out the glimmer of a smart round, curving through the air, and then punching through Warren's back. He exploded in half at the stomach. Eric side-flipped into the wreck, landing carefully between the new corpse and me. I gasped for air as my vision started to fade. I noticed. Mine was not the only body stuffed into that particular part of the ship. Warren's disembodied head lay just inside Marlowe's cage. Its frozen expression, that of pure terror.
My vision returned what felt like moments later. I was leaned up against a tree. Eric had patched up most of my bullet wounds, the best he could. Hey, you're back. That's great. For a second, I thought I was going to have to rig a dog sled or something for Marlow. Eric groused. Oh, shit. How bad is it? I asked. Your dermal armor took most of it, but one of the rounds was AP. Almost hit your spine, and it's in too deep to get out without a cyber-operating table. You could have internal bleeding. I don't know. Eric responded. I pulled my armor jacket back on and fastened it. What in the fuck was that? Some kind of active disguise camouflage? I said, looking around for the LMG. Marla was a few feet from Eric, looking at the tracks in the snow, her cyber eye optics shifting. Whatever it was, it was organic. Could be high-level corporate espionage. Tech like that be any operator's wet dream, Eric responded. Marla went back into stealth mode, vanishing from sight. Eric cocked his head, and I looked at him, and started to ask, but he put his finger on his lips, then racked the shotgun. The expended round fell into the snowy forest floor, noiselessly. Bachman stood in the clearing before us. Kill it. Bachman's doppelganger moved with hyperspeed at Eric. His arms split in two, and long black metal spikes popped out of the fingers of his four hands. Eric rolled on his side deftly, firing off a shotgun slug as soon as he was level, but the weapon's smart tracking wasn't enough to catch it. A light, snowy-powdered blast of air followed Bachman as it moved. One of its clawed hands tore a chunk out of the tree where Eric had been standing a moment ago. I unholstered my service revolver and fired off two rounds from a kneeling position. It turned back around, all four spiked hands slashing at me. I let off one more round before the gun was ripped out of my hand. It tried to drag my legs out from under me, but I had a weight advantage. I leaned forward and let my armor take the hits. My head smashed into Bachman's chin, and a volley of teeth and blood peppered the snow. One of its spiked fingers was caught in my armor, and it tried to break free, as it was unable to defend against my flurry of hammer blows I dealt with my augmented arms. Suddenly its caught arm withered to dust, and it raked me across my vest with two hands. I rolled back with the hit, pieces of my armor cracking off in the process. The bloody three-armed monster jumped into the air aimed at me. Almost in slow motion, I saw Marlow, decloaked, her cyber eye fixated on the creature. A red laser dot shining on Bachman's leg. Boom, Eric Shotgun reported, tearing off one of the creature's legs and sending it off course. It raced across the ground at Eric as a barrage of slugs pounded into it. The massive holes left in its body from each shot rapidly healed. Fucking die, I screamed. Opening my combat folder, I gave it an expert throw. The dagger caught the bloody Bachman hulk in its neck. It staggered forward. Eric spun on his heels, dodging it again. He dropped his shotgun, reached to his leg holster, and drew the pistol he kept there. His neural link automatically slid into the weapon as he aimed the gun straight up and fired a single shot. The bullet curved around and behind him, catching the Bachman creature right between its eyes. It froze, twitching for a moment, then collapsed to the ground. I coughed blood hard for several seconds, then cursed, then coughed some more. Eric scooped up his shotgun, then came back to my side. Don't go dying on me. We have a fat paycheck waiting at the end of this. I can feel it, said Eric. I wiped the blood from my mouth with a sleeve and grimaced. Oh, yeah. Got most of my team killed. A couple hundred civilians burned to ash. No one's going to believe a fucking word of this report. Yep. Top marks across the board, I said. Off in the distance, a small clapping noise became louder and louder.
A soldier clad in a full-body, slim exosuit was aiming his automatic railgun at us. Boo, said a filtered voice. His armor was mirror-like. It distorted the forest around him. The helmet he wore had optics that looked like spider eyes. Three more stealth suits decloaked in a circle around us. The one that was clapping stepped forth. Been looking for that crafty little shit for hours. Nice job putting him down for us, said Knight. It was a little harder to see on the stealth exosuits, but there was the unmistakable insignia of the remnant flag. Ooh, you guys got some fancier uniforms, I see. I scoffed, then went into another coughing fit. Be amazed all the things people just leave laying around. You should see my other whip. GPI power armor. Some idiot left it lying around by the hospital. Damn, intellectual property is going to be pissed, said Knight. Knight motioned to the other men and shot the hell out of the Bachman Doppler. Headshots don't work on them. Not like us. You gotta shatter their spine or they'll regenerate. What are we doing here, Bible Freak? I asked. Corporate goon, I am so glad you asked that. Someone wants to talk to you. And I'm not gonna lie, there's probably gonna be sharp instruments involved. Unless you resist, in which case, I will be more than happy to put lots of bullets into both of your heads. Then there's a small matter of your crimes. Eric stifled a laugh. Our crimes? That's rich. You genocided close to a hundred civilians with that little son at the hospital. We still don't know, and probably never will, how many people died from that toxic crap you were giving us, calling it medicine. Someone's got to answer for that. Illegal subnet detected. Transmission capture. Audio only. Compiling. RL lag time negative 47.91.280.004. Adjusting for time dilation. Beginning playback. Greetings from war-torn Michigan. This is Black River Remnant Militia General Harold Moore. I know, not exactly the voice you were expecting. Quite a bit has happened since Marcus sent out his previous update. Melissa, I hope you're getting this feed too. Uh, Marcus remembered something from earlier in the day. The new recruit placed on the monitors. The one that missed the intruders at the morgue, Franklin Krauss. Total screwball. He was some hotshot anti-grab pilot before the corporation he worked for laid him off. And he's a vet. I grilled him like a first-day recruit, but he didn't crack. Didn't seem weird. Well, any weirder than usual. Are you sure it's a good idea to just let him wander around, Grandpa? Marcus said. Not wandering. He's on latrine duty at Kaplan's shop. They're watching him like a hawk. Alien or not, those toilets need scrubbing. Until we work out some kind of test to give, I don't know what else to do with them. Besides, mechanic shop blocks from the outside and the windows are all barred up, so he's basically in the brig, I said. Jess was on the computer when we arrived at the monitoring station. Two empty coffee thermos containers were sitting on the table next to her. She brightened a little, seeing Marcus, but more than anything, she looked exhausted. Did you bring me a refill? Jess asked, pleading. She handed me the armory keys. Sorry, I can make some for you later, when we get back to the house, Marcus said. I explained the situation to Jess, and she brought up the video archive of the morgue around the time I believed Liza was killed. It took some doing, but we found a spot of activity in the time frame I specified. Two people entering the morgue. One of them was Liza. The other hid their face from the camera. The feed went to static almost immediately. 
That's great. Son of a bitch knew right where the camera was. Now we got nothing, I said. Wait, rewind it just a second after the guy walks in. Maybe we can get something off his clothes, Marcus said. The footage stopped on an image of Liza and the shadow of a man. Protruding from his red jacket sleeve near the wrist was a long serrated blade. What the hell, Jess said. Marcus leaned into the monitor. Can you zoom in on that? he asked. Jess did zoom in, but not on the hidden blade. She focused the image on Liza. She had a tan sleeveless shirt on with the words Molen Labe. On her right arm, she was wearing a golden band. Jessica was visibly distressed. Don't freak out, please. I didn't know, she quivered. She pulled up the sleeve of her right arm, revealing a solid gold band. My rifle was pointed at her before I could think better of it. I'm freaking out, all right. Start talking, I said. Jess tugged at the band, but it didn't move. It was a gift from Stevens. He said he wanted to give us another shot. I, I went to see him at the hospital the day after his surgery. He told me it was a family heirloom, Jessica said, her eyes tearing up. I'm not a freak, she said, trying in vain to remove the piece of jewelry. Stop moving around, Jess. Please don't make me shoot you. Marcus stepped in between her and my rifle. Wait, we don't have to jump to conclusions anymore. Let me give her the test. Marcus gave me a look. It's all right. Just give me your hand for a moment. So you can squeeze my bones into jelly? Jess was fighting back tears, but her words were filled with anger. Marcus held his hand, palm up. I wouldn't do that, ever. Reluctantly, she put her hand in his. He turned it over gently and put his thumb on her wrist. I, I didn't even know that we had a test for the Dopplers, Jessica stammered. Dr. Kieran went over the corpse of the one you guys killed before. She said the wrist blades cause its anatomy to be different from ours. The arteries can't be in the same place for them as for us. Jess calmed down a little at this. So, am I human? She asked. Yeah. Marcus turned to me. She's not one of them. Okay, but... Jess started. Stevens. Grandpa, where's Stevens now? Marcus said, releasing her. Reassessing priority coverage area. Undefined grid. Jackson woke up Shayla at around 0300. Somehow she managed to fall asleep on the ride to Black River. She opened her eyes and took in the new surroundings. A defunct Hilton Hotel sat abandoned on the left side of the highway. The office towers lit up plumes of white smoke that congealed in the air overhead. We're less than ten minutes from Harold's compound, Jackson said. The SUV was stopped on the side of the road in the emergency lane. Jackson reached behind the seat and grabbed the med kit then swapped the large bandage on his face out for a new one, stopping to spit blood out the open window. Hugo, are you doing okay? Why'd we stop? Shayla asked. Jackson pointed to the nearby speed limit sign. There was a fresh spray paint tag on it with weird geometric shapes. Rally points changed. That's the tag for spot three. I think it's uh, Black River High School. I'm just trying to decide what to do from here. We need to work out a plan so you don't wind up hurting more people on accident. They were both silent for a long time. Hugo tried to smoke a cigarette, but the pain in his mouth caused him to prematurely snuff it out on the dashboard. I think I'll be okay. I haven't had an attack since Gradiot. It's been hours, said Shayla. That's great and all, but I can't put Harold's people at risk, or my wife. I think we need to find a place to hole up, somewhere close by. I'll have to leave you for a while, so I can let MC know about our situation and see how Liza's doing. Shayla nodded her head slowly. Are you going to be okay? 
I need to know you're not going to do anything stupid if I leave for a bit, Jackson asked. I was trying to save those people. I'm not suicidal, Jackson. Jackson weighed that for a moment. Then, we should find you a concrete building, just in case. Yeah, don't want to accidentally burn down the building I'm hiding in. Hugo, look out for my sister when you go. Tell her I'm all right. Tell Liza yourself when we find her. Reassessing priority access feed. Illegal subnet detected. Black River Pediatrics. Transmission capture. Audio only. Compiling. Beginning playback. The Moore Charter Med Center was a pediatrics facility we repurposed for larger-scale medical operations. Field tents and equipment dotted the cul-de-sac hospital-slash-shopping center. A few remnant guards milled about the walkways on patrol. One gave a customary salute as we approached. Chief Smales. He's a veteran from the war just prior to Asia. Almost as old as me. Frederick, still walking? I said as we passed. I dropped my salute. Any day above ground, he replied. I looked at Marcus and shook my head as we continued forward. What was all that about with Jess? How are you certain she wasn't a Doppler? I asked. You mentioned we needed a test, but I got to thinking. We don't need an official working one. We only need to make them think we have a test. They'll out themselves to get nervous enough. And uh, there's some things I can pick up on I don't think they can imitate. At least I hope. Single man entry is a strict no-no when working in a team, usually. But this kid moves faster than anyone I've ever met. By a large margin. He took the open hand stance that all the island warriors use. Anyone else had looked like he was unarmed and aloof. And they'd be dead wrong. The reception desk was unmanned. Is it usually this quiet? Marcus asked. Unless we get into a skirmish, then it's wall to wall with aching bodies. There should be a three-person staff, even on slow nights. Two nurses, one maintenance crew. I said. No doctors? Marcus asked. They live in the adjacent neighborhoods. They're on call all the time. One of the late nurses shut a door behind her as she exited into the long corridor in front of us. It was Nurse Goodwin. The middle-aged redhead eyed us and our weapons. Harold, something happened? She demanded. Where is Stevens? Two doors down on the right. Is he in some kind of trouble? Yeah, not sure how much just yet. Nurse, find somewhere to hole up and lock the door. I'll have someone call you to let you know when the coast is clear, I told her. Stephen's hospital room door was opened. I led the way in. He was lying in bed. The other beds in the room were empty. His eyes cracked open and he looked at me, then Marcus. General Moore, what's going on? Are we under attack or something? He said, locking his gaze on me. Marcus looked around the room, checked behind the curtains and around the other beds. You're the only one in here? Marcus asked. Yeah, it's just me. Nurse came in a while back doing her rounds. Can you tell me what's going on? Stevens inquired. Actually, I was hoping you could tell me something. I hear you made up with your ex-girlfriend. That was a nice gift you got her. Stevens didn't blink. I'm not sure what you're getting at, Stevens said. Marcus, give him the test. Stevens never been this good a liar. Marcus started towards him. One step. In that time, Stevens flung the covers at him, and a long serrated blade extended from his left arm and slashed me across my face, tearing a chunk out of my right ear. Marcus lunged for him, 
but the Doppler slipped under the bed, rolled, then popped up through the window, smashing through it to the other side. I let off a three-round burst at the thing, but the pain caught up to me and blood was pouring into my eyes. Marcus began to check on me. Gramps, you're hurt. I'll be fine. Stop him. Before he changes again. Dutifully, he jumped through the window and sprinted after the creature. With one bloody hand, I touched the comm link on my neck and queued up my secure line to woo. Reassessing priority coverage area. Traffic amp feed 0107. Stevens flipped over a wrecked car in the scrapyard of a derelict auto body shop. Marcus followed over right behind him. The tightly packed scrapyard made for tough navigation for both of them. Stevens tried to scale a heap of cars. He had almost made it to the top when Marcus grabbed the bottom car and pulled it out, making the entire thing come crashing down. Stevens' Doppler managed to squeeze out through a spot in the chain-link fence before being crushed. Marcus was right behind him. He jumped onto one of the racks near the gate, then over the gate itself, drop-kicking Stevens in the leg and making him fall onto the pavement. Stevens crawled backwards, nearing the small church on the opposite side of the road. What are you? What do you want? Marcus demanded. Stevens rushed him with both cybernetic blades. Marcus went low with a spin kick, breaking one of the weapons and slamming his attacker off a mailbox. You are all reflections, but you think of us as the imposters. The Doppler hoisted himself up on the blood-smeared mailbox, his left leg broken and warped. Knew I couldn't outrun you forever. You're sentient. You're not just a robot, are you? said Marcus. Sentient? Yes. More than your friends, anyways. More than you. Perhaps not by much. Marcus touched the radio on his belt. Woo, I have the target cornered. He's alive. We're on the main exit road by the church, said Marcus. Stephen shook his head. They aren't going to let you take me alive, Gregory. Marcus walked out into the road near Stevens, pointing at him. You try and run, I'll break your other leg. If that doesn't work, I'll break your arms too. And my name is Marcus. Do you even know what those names mean? Marcus, Zachariah, Watchers. That's what you call yourself, Watchers. Have you ever wondered why Zachariah picked that name? Did he tell you? Stevens asked. There was a thundering in the distance. It was like a series of explosions. The noises getting louder and louder by the second. What is that? Marcus said, looking around desperately for the source. Unfortunately, you will have to take your ignorance with you to the grave. Whereas I must return home, said Stevens. A huge gray silhouette moved out over the horizon. Four large arms propelled it across the land. It was on them before they could react. A massive club-like fist pounded Stevens into mulch. Marcus was blinded by the shockwave of wind, dust, and blood. Then he was struck in the back by something, and he hit the chain-link fence. Marcus struggled to regain his balance and clear his eyes. The creature was over twenty feet tall and covered in metallic armor plates. It had gray and black digital camouflage, similar to an urban commando uniform. 
Its massive forearms, or legs, were reverse double-jointed and ended in three fingers. The body was segmented like a spider or a crab, and it was covered in eyes both cybernetic and organic. Obviously, I'm still alive. A few more scars. Marcus is... Might still be too soon to talk about right now. I think we found some new intelligence after the attack. Right now we're just picking up the pieces. It was like we just walked through hell on Earth. Dr. Karen is with Jessica trying to figure out a way to remove that strange gold armband. Only good news I have is Mark's dog's finally up and about. I think that might, might be tougher than all of us. Melissa, I hate to worry you, but I also don't like lying to you. I know this is the kind of thing you guys do over more secure means, but I don't have a way of doing that right now. We could really use the Stormcaller's help. Whatever happened today, I think it's just the beginning of something. I trust you'll use your own best judgment. You know I've never asked anything from you or your people before. I'm asking now. Anyways, I have to cut the signal. We have some visitors to deal with. I think one of them said she was a doctor. That's another good thing. We're stretched thin. This is Black River Militia General Harold Moore. Signing out. Transmission and signal lost. You have been listening to The Fourth Tower, a cyberpunk-themed transmission from the possible future, sometime after now. If you'd like to support this podcast, please share it around wherever you do social media at. If you want to support the show, become a supporter on anchor.fm forward slash fourth tower. That's the number four, T-H-T-O-W-E-R. Or head over to the website, fourthtower.wordpress.com and hit the donate tab at the bottom of the page. Thank you.